Y'all ready for this? That's right, we're a Riverdale recap podcast here to talk about chapter 113 biblical by Janine Selena Schoenberg and Brian E. Patterson, directed by Ronald Paul Richard, the man with three first names. Give it up. What? <laughs> We're bringing some energy to the studio today. Well, now that the jocks have been properly jammed, uh, how does this episode start? This episode starts by with Jughead telling us that when the signs began, they were easy to be explained. And those signs are signs of the apocalypse. We got frogs in the high school trophy case. Well, so, that's just from the biology class. We we got uh, swarms of flies and children getting lice. That's with, just seasonal. That's, that's normal. That's just children. Though I will say, uh, what we get from that is we know that uh, Juniper and Dagwood are, are hanging out with Cheryl. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> she's giving them knit checks. We know they're alive. Mm-hmm. And that they didn't go with the cat to the pound. And that they have parasites. Maybe that's where they got them. Yeah. 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 But the first real scene is that a wedding date has been set. Tony is telling Veronica all about it and looking to hire her as a wedding planner. Well, I don't know if it's really hiring. I think it's more like, do me this favor because we don't have money to pay you. A pro bono wedding planner. Honestly, that makes some of this make more sense. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, so she she wants you know Veronica to plan and organize it uh, because like she's a miracle worker. And she really is the most qualified person around. She loves her parties. She does. She does. Well, Veronica is definitely um, torn about this. She accepts mm-hmm, mm-hmm. happily. Let's just say it. Veronica's a stick in the mud this whole episode. <laughs> she's going through some things. Stick in the mud. Uh, so, meanwhile, uh, Fangs called up Archie with a, uh, a wedding request as well, and that was to be a groomsman. And Archie accepted as long as he doesn't have to talk or plan a bachelor party. Fangs? Nobody, nobody's planned Fangs a bachelor party? Well, no, because... Are, are we gonna get the silver fox in on this? Because, spoilers, Sweet Pea's not fucking invited to the wedding! <laughs> Sweet Pea's not here. So who the fuck's gonna play his bachelor party? This would have been a great time for, for a Sweet Pea cameo that does not happen. Does not happen. Which means no one plans him a bachelor party, which means he is left alone. Is it because he didn't select a best man and but didn't, like, tell anyone? Mm-hmm. Because that happened to you. Yeah, and so the silver fox fixed it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. With his juggling. Mm-hmm. At what you guys thought was a strip joint. It was. One of the three acts we saw was. Archie, Archie has said yes. Him and Betty are, are looking forward to this wedding. Something mm-hmm, good mm-hmm. for the town. Because the whole town is involved. But- except not. One person who's not is Jughead, down in the sex hole, because he's down in the sex hole. He has not left the sex hole. Well, he heard what the plan was for, for the last episode. He's like, nah, nah, I'm staying here. No, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, so he's down there, but he has um, started writing again, uh, which he explains to Tabitha. 
But specifically, he's writing the Rivervale episodes. Yes, because he's started listening to the voices and writing. As he is doing that, he is hearing less voices. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They, they want him to tell the story. Yeah, yeah, because as uh, one of our listeners so kindly corrected us, the voices Jughead was hearing down in the sex hole are Rivervale and not past Riverdale episodes. Yeah. 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 And uh, one of the stories he has written, which Tabitha has read and was like, oh my gosh, this is so great, is La Llorona. Uh, and she's just like, wow, this is so great. How did you write this? The an voice is in my head. An original invention by Jughead Jones. <laughs> Yeah. And any similarity to pre-existing folklore uh, uh, is is coincidental and, and do not sue me. Yeah. You folklorists. I wonder if it had the whole part about like... Baby Anthony? Ba like a baby and colic and leave it in the woods. <laughs> like how, how much of the story is in there? But the big question is, if this is helping Jughead along, can he be reintroduced to society again? <laughs> and he's like, no. No, I'm not. I, I can't go to that wedding. You should go. You should, I'm sorry you won't have a date. You should get a date. And she's like, don't don't sweat it. Just just stay down here. Your brain needs help. And I'm like, you know, Jughead, I get it. I don't want to leave home either. It's fine. <laughs> So now it is time to peek in on the curiosity shop on, on Percival Pickens, who uh, has been creating these plagues with jar-based spellcasting. Yes, and he is working on a new spell. Yes. Which is turning water blood red. Yep, yep, yep. He's, he's going through the plagues of Egypt, after all, and so it's in a completely different order. But still, this is supposed to be the first one, turning the Nile to blood. He's turning the sweet water to blood. Uh, and we, we see him do this because Kevin is spying through a very bad hole in the wall. Yeah, Percival's heating and cooling bills uh, could be really cut down if you just patch these holes. This hole, like, Kevin is out in the alley, <laughs> peering, peering through a hole in the brick. <laughs> yeah. That's big enough that he can see Percival do all of this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, dude, what the fuck? But something I appreciate about all of the spells, and we're going to see a lot of spells uh, uh, over the course of this episode, is they all come from a physical thing. So we've got, yeah, like frog in a jar, fly in a jar, lice in a jar, and now the, the water turning to blood is just a map of Sweetwater River with a bowl of water on it, and then he puts in, like, an iron stick to, like, rust... And turn it all, and then that turns the river all super gross. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. It's a good touch. Like, much like Jughead's brain space when he's reading people's comics, it's a way to, like, show a little thing to explain the big thing. Yeah. Veronica and Tabitha are having a little chat, and uh, Veronica's, you know, happy that Jughead's doing better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tabitha has to uh, inquire how Veronica is because she's like, it's very obvious you're you're not very happy. You're not very enthusiastic about this wedding. Well, she loves to plan events. She hates to do it as a job. She's very upset about like how she's only 27, 26 and, and isn't running the world currently. She has to remind us. That she was the she-wolf of Wall Street, you know. Ah, <sighs> yeah. And yeah, now I know. Yeah. she's just a glorified party planner. You 
Agreed. You did you did this. You did this. You also like threw together SlaughterCon in like a day. So like who else was she going to go to? These are both favors for friends and it's very nice of you. Also you run a casino single-handedly. That's something. Which is an event space. And your absinthe startup, so it's not like you're you're bored. Like come on. You know, Tabitha's trying to give her a pep talk, like, oh, well, there's nothing you can't do. Like, you're amazing. And Veronica's like, yeah, except find a date to this wedding. (laughs) Meh. Veronica has a lot of personal problems this week, but they all seem to stem from her being resentful that she's single for the first time since she was 15. Well, and here's what, like, (laughs) so they're interrupted by Jay calling to tell them to turn on the news. And I was immediately like, your date! Ask Jay! (laughs) Yeah, but then we'd have to see Jay. But come on, it It was like, perfect. It would ruin the mystique of Jay, the man who lives inside the the intercom. Didn't we see him, though, once? Yes, and then he was banished to the intercom, and we shall never see him again. But... Uh, what is on the news is Alice reporting about Sweetwater River, which is now blood. Mm-hmm. And then as that re- the voiceover of that reporting is happening, we check in on like everyone else in town and like yeah. Archie's doing his dishes and it's like that Fangs and Tony are and it's like that Britta's trying to get some water at school and it's like that. Britta needs a filter. Yes. Ah. We we're dying to say yes. that. Yes. So, not looking great. No, it looks super gross, super actually. Gross. We are recording this on the day that they announced that oh, Governor yeah. Snyder and the 10, 11 other people yeah. responsible for the Flint water crisis will never see legal repercussions. Yeah, so, that all got thrown out. Because yeah. apparently, it's fine to poison an entire city. On purpose! And, on on purpose, purpose! And then, like, try to cover it up. That's fine. It's great. Riverdale's just a fun little show. <laughs> uh, Tony and Fangs uh, have a get, uh, uh, unexpected visitor, and that is Kevin. It's Kevin! And he's like, hey guys, I just want to let you know, I dropped my custody suit. You're Tony's parents. The end, basically. He, he's not even asking for, for anything. He's just like, here's the news. Wanted to tell you myself. It's done. It's just I mean, done. I mean, he did ask for forgiveness, but in kind yeah. of a like, I don't expect you to forgive me, but like, please forgive me. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Type thing. Uh, so meanwhile, uh, Percival calls Archie. Yes. And uh, Archie's just like, what do you want? <laughs> and what do you want it? Sorry, I'm just so used to chanting on, on the picket line. Uh, and so Percival's, you know, whole thing, like, call off the strike. No, mm-hmm. we're not going to call off the strike. We'll get him back to work. No, we're not. Well, if you don't, like... He's making all these hints and allusions toward this series of plagues, including mentioning uh, uh, reptiles and insects. You know, it starts with the lower creatures. Frogs aren't reptiles. Buddy, buddy, they're amphibians. He didn't, he, he didn't go to school. Archie's not catching on, and Percival's like, well, maybe you should turn on on the news. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's actually when we get Alice's news coverage. Eh, whatever. Eh, whatever. Uh, So over at Pops, in the El Royale. Yes, Pops Royale. Pops Pops Royale. The the group. Huge group. Practically everybody is here. Tabitha, Veronica, Cheryl... Archie, Betty, etc. Everybody's here. Uh, they're they're talking about Percival, and uh, you know, Cheryl calls it out. She's like, "Well, I, he's a sorcerer." 
of tremendous ability and skill. Obviously. <laughs> and Archie's sure that this is all retaliation to, uh, to try to break the strike. Whereas most strike breakers these days just use mandatory meetings full of lies, uh, he, he's going for, yes, the, the biblical plagues of Egypt. Yeah. <laughs> but Cheryl, Cheryl's not wasting any time, and she's like, you know what? I think we should just deal with this immediately. We kill him. I'll use my pyrokinesis. <laughs> and they all look at her, and she's like, oh, come on, we've all thought about it. We all want to kill him. Let me kill him. <laughs> just just let me kill him a little bit. I've killed so many people. I ate my family. <laughs> They're like, no, like, we, we got to figure out a different way. And, you know, he's trying to divide the town and their wedding will bring the town together. And Cheryl's just like, let me kill him. <laughs> like, per what the fuck? Percival's funeral could also bring the town together. It's a, it's a great big gathering. <laughs> Like, have you not seen The Wizard of Oz? Ding dong, the witch. Like, come on, we can have that. Mm -hmm, Great party. Mm -hmm. When they throw the funeral for The Wizard of Oz? Oh, tearjerker. Uh, so over at the sex hole. Yes. Jughead's having a little nappy nap. And La Llorona visits in his nightmares. And she steals away his pages. <gasps> his La Llorona story is missing. And the thing is, is when he wakes up, it wasn't just a nightmare. It was true. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, he doesn't know who it was, but he's like, someone snuck in and like stole shit. What the fuck? It's the ghost of Dilton Doily. Oh. It's like, there is not enough sex in my sex hole. <laughs> what is this? Some sort of nerd hole? Ooh. Uh, so since Archie is absolutely convinced that everything has to do with the strike, mm -hmm. uh, he's having a little little talk with the crew. Like, I don't know, they suddenly think that maybe Percival's willing to negotiate. This is stupid. Is very stupid to me because it casts the strike in a completely different light. A light that is not what strikes are, what they do, what they're about. Like, yeah, the idea that Percival should be open to negotiations is the point. Is is the point. You got everybody in on this to strike for the job to be better, to be safer. Yeah. Not to put him out of business. Like, Because <laughs> then they won't have a job. Yeah, yeah. I, again, like, their presentation of labor action is actually buying into propaganda from the ownership class. Yeah. Rabble rousers who are out to destroy the company and then everybody loses their job. And it's very weird, too, though, because they, like, flip-flop, like, three times in this episode. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes sense from, like, the Super Friends perspective. Everybody who knows about the ghost train, yeah. for that to be their idea, but a strike is not the tool for that job. Yeah. Sabotage is the tool for that job. But also, like, I don't know, maybe tell them about the ghost train. Yeah. <laughs> Why aren't you sharing the yeah. ghost train? <laughs> this is a really important fact. Archie and Tabitha, like, talk them out of it and tell them to hang on for a little while longer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so meanwhile... But hang on for what? Opening negotiations is the thing you're hanging on for. <laughs> hanging on until the negotiations go your way. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But meanwhile, Betty's at the FBI office and she asks the other agent to, like, track down a bunch of Bibles and whatever other religious documents she can find. And the agent's like, wow, okay, I didn't know you were religious. 
And she's like, well, I'm not. It's for a case. And I was like, wow, your, like, co-agent is really stupid. Because, <laughs> like, it's the FBI office. <laughs> what else would it be fucking for? Also, why do you need a couple Bibles? They're all supposed to say, like, the same thing. This is why she hangs out with Drake. Okay, Agent Drake knows what's what. Like, if you want different, like, translations... Okay, but you didn't specify that. And with the brain power of this agent, mm -hmm. I'm thinking she's going to bring in like five of the exact same copy. They, and like, here you go. They all say NIV. I don't know what that is in Roman numerals, but I'm pretty sure it ends in four. So uh, there, there you go. It's so fucking weird. So she wants religious documents to look over because plagues. Sure. Um, I'm kind of like, you could just use Wikipedia. The Bible's it's, online. The, it's the a lot Bible... quicker. You can download it onto, like, your phone. Public domain, turns out. You could just Google what plagues are in the Bible. Okay, let's do that right now. Okay. Okay, I got this little widget up top. You know that thing Google does so you don't actually go to anyone else's site so they don't have to pay uh, anybody for their ads? Uh, from time.com, so I don't feel too bad about it. The plagues are water turning to blood, frogs, lice, flies, livestock pestilence, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, and the killing of firstborn children. I just assumed you would know that off the top of your head. I wouldn't have gotten them in order, but yeah, probably, yeah. if you gave me the time. <laughs> yeah. 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 Actually, yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I know that uh, water turning to blood is first, and the firstborn is last, but in the middle, it's like... Shouldn't the firstborn be first? What, you start <laughs> with that? You think that's what they started with? You hit them really hard right off the bat, then you don't gotta go through the other plagues! No, that's, that's what Passover is! What? Killing, <laughs> killing the children? Yes! Oh. Okay, all right. So we're nine plagues deep. And after every plague, Pharaoh's like, I got to free these slaves. I got to let them go. And then God hardens his heart because, no, I'm not fucking done with you yet. Until we get to the killing of the firstborn, uh, God says, and through, you know, Moses and Aaron tells everybody, the firstborn of every family will die on a certain night. So y'all better watch out. And then he gives a special message to Moses, to the Hebrews, like, if you uh, put lamb's blood on uh, the, the doorway, on the doorway of your home, then, you know, the angel of death, when it comes through, will know to pass over that house and leave you un untouched. And everyone else in Egypt didn't get the message, lost their firstborn child that day. Oh. That's what Passover is, and that's why it's called Passover. I didn't know that. <laughs> I also don't understand why it's not first, because you hit them hard, they listen. <laughs> Again, Pharaoh was ready to let him go somewhere around, like, flies. But then God hardened his heart after every one, which I always thought was the most interesting part of the story. I've, I've never heard these stories before. Remember. They're good stories. I'm very bad at this. <laughs> yes, and so is Betty. I'm surprised Betty I wasn't. I would at least know to ask for different Bibles. I'm really surprised that Betty wasn't, like, all up in vacation Bible school, teaching Sunday school when she was a kid. 
I mean, that does seem like something Alice would make her do. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she did spend time at the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. Do they not, like, force them to read the Bible? That seems like a thing they would do. They, they would have you reading, like, ancient lost texts from Atlantis or something. That'd be cool. <laughs> Veronica and Tabitha are, uh... Making napkin swans. Yes. Getting this wedding planning done. Oh, because Veronica's all like, oh, I, this just seems so weird to do when there's, like, a war on. And Tabitha's like, oh, well, you gotta keep, like, living life, because otherwise, what are you fighting for? And Veronica's like, I don't know what I'm fighting for, because I'm alone. Maybe you could try fighting for yourself. Frankly, maybe some of your friends could try it, too. <laughs> Advice, Veronica. Be okay with yourself. And existing. Are you okay with Veronica Lodge? I mean, no. Why do you expect her to be okay with Veronica Lodge? Because Just she's she herself. <laughs> Can't find happiness in someone else. You need to find it in yourself. I don't think that's true. I'm codependent. But on like a healthy level, not like this <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> I love you, dear. You can function when I'm not here. I question if she can. <laughs> it's true. Veronica Lodge would be lost without you. She would. God damn, that woman. Cher uh, Cheryl is sharing with Heather that uh, Tony has asked her to officiate the wedding. I have to assume that this is as poison insurance. I mean, yeah, you, you want to keep your, your enemies close. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, and so uh, Cheryl has agreed. And I did notice she's not wearing red. No. She's wearing blue. What the oh, fuck? Yeah, yeah. It's weird. But uh, Cheryl shares with Heather that she is going to give Tony the best wedding gift ever. Quote, I'm going to kill Percival for her. Which is honestly a great idea because... <laughs> Like people, she has the pyrokinesis. She's already floated the idea in the she, big group meeting. Honestly, if they just listened to her, problems could be solved so much quicker. Uh, because right now, Percival is doing another spell, and that is making all the food spoil. Yeah, it's the secret 11th uh, plague, the curse of catering. Because it ruins all of the food that's laid out for the wedding rehearsal. Uh, this this time, he has like a giant pile of cheeses at, at his what store. cheese? And some, like, it's like a charcuterie board. It's like the... But like a cheese wheel. <laughs> yeah. It's like if you didn't cut anything up. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a charcuterie board for 40. Uh, uh, everybody digging in together. Well, it's more like for 10. And he, I like cheese. Uh, wow, yeah, I'll say. <laughs> and he puts one little, like, rotted half of a lemon or something up in there while doing his, his chants. And then suddenly, yeah, all, all the, the big catering buffet trays at, at uh, Babylonian are just rotted, nasty messes. Which, and honestly, this, this spell took a lot of planning because that, like, lemon to get that rotted <laughs> took a really long time. So, like, A for effort, dude. He's an even better planner than Veronica. She's yes. met her match. Yes. But she will not be deterred. She is like, I am going to overcome this. We mm -hmm. will have a party with food. But also, underground in the sex hole, Jughead is met by a mystic cheeseburger. Suddenly, a cheeseburger and fries from Pops and a cup of coffee appear in the hole. Yeah. 
And he questions if he should eat these. And he's like, I probably shouldn't. Um, yum, 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 yum. But I'm going to. Pop's fries look so good. It looks so they look, good. They're my favorite kind of fries. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it looked really good. That diameter, so you know they're like soft inside, but they're all just like over brown. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's like mashed potatoes inside. I know it is. Oh. You know it's good. You know it's got the perfect level of salt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Cheryl and Heather are preparing the spell. Yes. And uh, the spell should allow Cheryl to project her power. She just has to, like, focus the spell onto this poppet Mm -hmm. that represents Percival. Again, more like reification, like physical anchors to see the unseen. Yes. And so they start the spell, which sets the poppet on fire. And we go over to Percival, and he is smoking Yes, yes. Like Jim Carrey in the mid-90s, somebody needs to stop him. He seems to be in quite a deal of pain. So he rushes over and collapses into the antique wheelchair in his store. And starts chanting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the fire on the poppet goes out. But then we hear Nana screaming. Nana Rose catches fire. He's- she is on fucking fire he's immolating nana rose like he was just smoking Mm -hmm. and she's engulfed in fucking flames at that age you're so dry she's basically (laughs) it's like a fire starting in your lint trap it's just gonna go you cannot stop the amount of hairspray old people use (laughs) it's amazing she hasn't caught fire before (laughs) with all the candles in that house dang you're right just a walking fire hazard. That's not good. That's not good. But the show must go on. And by show, I mean the rehearsal dinner. Now moved to, of course, Pops Royale. Obviously. And so Veronica is giving a toast. That... You know how the wedding planner traditionally gives the toast at a rehearsal dinner? But when you're friends... Oh. So Veronica's <laughs> giving the speech. And she's like, you know... The venue isn't as important as the people that you're celebrating with. And it's like very nice things. And she toasts to Tony and to all of us, everyone there. And then especially to the single girls. At this point, at th- before things even kick up, if I was Tony Topaz, I would stand up and walk away crying. This is so incredibly rude. Veronica breaks into song. It's so cruel. And oh my God, everything about this is awful. And it's just like, what the, first off, what the fuck? Yeah, what the fuck? From like a viewer perspective, everyone but like Britta, who's like loving this. (laughs) Well, Britta just, Britta's a messy bitch who loves drama. That's, that's all it is. Everyone there is just like, what the fuck? (laughs) Oh, this, this is nice. Nice head nod. She's singing. It's not like it's not love is in the air no. or like we're family and we're all together. It's nothing about marriage. It's from a show about marriage. It's the it's ladies who lunch from company. It's the song of a shriveled old bitter lady just being snide and cruel at all the other women in her life. So it's really weird. It's really weird. It's really uncomfortable. Like, the only thing that saves this scene at all is all the shots of everyone else being really uncomfortable. And just trying to be polite just about like, it. Like, she's still going. She. Okay. This isn't abridged. 
she's doing the whole song? Yeah. And at at the end, when she's telling everyone to rise, it looks like they're imagining there's a gun hidden somewhere. (laughs) We all had better stand up before Veronica. I I don't know. Caves in the roof. This is, is, you know, still the El Royale. It could happen. Just a stiff breeze. We're all going to die. Well, and she's singing about how when everybody dies (laughs) and like Fangs is just like head nod. Yep. Okay. What the fuck? And the strangest thing to me is this is choreographed. She's hitting her marks and like this was a last minute venue change. Yeah. Have you had this number up your sleeve for how long? Yeah. Did the rehearsal dinner have rehearsals, Veronica? It's just weird. It's so fucking weird. We cannot have. Veronica being a good character for more than an episode. It's one episode that's our quota. She has to be really awful for a while. I don't know if this is Veronica being a bad character. It's definitely her being a bad person. This is not a person I would want in my life who does this. And so after she's all done, uh, Betty goes up to her and is like, oh, well, quite the performance. Um... Which Veronica takes as a compliment. She's like, oh yeah, we did company when I was at Barnard, and I've just been waiting for the perfect opportunity to display it. That wasn't it! Yeah, did you get impatient then? Because you should still be waiting. The perfect opportunity has not yet come. That was not it. And also, this was not in a, a, a show platform the best way to feature Sondheim. Yeah, yeah, I, I think probably maybe in the play would be the, the perfect venue. We had SlaughterCon. We could, there were so many opportunities. Yes, yes. We could have done some shit. Do Into the Woods. Really swerve on them at SlaughterCon. They won't know where you're coming from. Yeah, like, it's fine. Like, come on. Just to rub in how ill-conceived uh, musical numbers can be sometimes on this show. Two weeks running, good God. Uh, she calls Riverdale a wicked little town, which just really brings the bile up in the back of my throat on this show. I wanted to puke you, when she said that. I was like, don't you fucking dare. Was, we do not need to bring that up. Was the point to remind us of a time they did even worse? Apparently. Apparently. Betty decides to change the topic and she's like, hey, you got a date to the wedding? And Veronica's like, no, I'm a bitter old woman. Obviously not. Who is she going to kiss? They would all die. And so she's like, hey, you... That is a good point. It's not like she can have a relationship. She would kill them. This is why she's so upset. They're they're leaving that one subtextual. Okay, but that's the one maybe they should be focusing on. (laughs) And make it make more sense that she is suddenly realizing she can't have, like, physical affection with anyone ever again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so Betty uh, is like, hey, you want to go with me and Archie? And so they reminisce about the pilot again and then say no. She's like, I couldn't do that to you guys. And I'm like, oh my god, you're adults. Suck it up and go to the fucking wedding together. We are not 16. You not have to be embarrassed about going with someone else's date. Just like, fucking go. You already had a triad makeout a couple weeks ago. Also, Just this, like, going to a friend's wedding together is not a big deal. This isn't one of those things where, like, you don't know anyone there, and that's why you really want to take a date, so you know someone other than the bride. You literally know every you know single person. Every single person. <laughs> you don't even need a fucking date. Also, they can't afford to you just to have an extra plus one that they don't know. 
Oh, are, are you worried that you're not going to know uh, uh, Tony's boss who got invited? You mean your high school principal? You know everyone. You know everyone who's there. But apparently this was the pep talk Veronica needed because she's like, well, thanks for reminding me what I'm fighting for. My friends. Mm-hmm, and I was mm-hmm. like, I didn't really think this was a pep talk. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't understand anything they're doing with her. Uh, uh, but luckily we get interrupted yes. because Archie and Tabitha have a text from Cheryl who mm-hmm. uh, has let them know that Nana Rose was engulfed in flames. <laughs> And so they rush to her side, where she further explains it all. Yes, yes, and says that Heather is is in the other room, rubbing a healing salve all over her body. So at least we know she's not dead. She's not dead, and Heather is really, really close with the family. They would have brought on the night nurse, but he died. He did die. Um, and so she explains how Heather believes Percival did a counterspell, which means that he has more powers than Yeah, more than just thought. the mind control, yeah. Uh, and Archie's like, oh, God, I gotta call off the strike before this gets worse. I, lucky for Nana, the Blossom women have always shown incredible resilience in healing from burn injuries. Yeah. Penelope! Burned head to toe. She was fine in two weeks. She's fine. She's fine. Uh, so Archie wants to call off the strike. And Tabitha brings up the fact, but the ghost train. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Archie's like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll build his... His train, but we'll do it slowly. Really, really slow. Really a slowdown slow. strike. This is also a, a known tactic, usually for workers striking in really essential industries. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we can do that on a ghost train to hell if, if it means he'll stop cursing people with horrible wounds. And they're like, man, if only we had someone on the inside. And they're like, wait. Kevin's get, decided not to go for custody, and he's moving out. Maybe he can be our mole. So Betty's going to talk to him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But meanwhile, Jughead is writing, and he does not feel well because he, he ate that mysterious burger. He gets some grumbly tumbles. And does some pukey tumbles. Oh, boy, they got some wonderful noises in the, the sound design this week. Boy, oh, boy. <laughs> if you are squeamish, don't listen. Oh, ugh. Uh, so Betty goes to Kevin. And Kevin tells Betty that that Percival is, quote, some kind of magic man. <laughs> He's Pavel Dotsyuk, I swear. It's, hey, it's what, uh, Reggie used. Are you a magic man? <laughs> uh, uh, well, Reggie asked if he was a wizard. Oh, yes, a wizard. But someone else asked if he was a magic man. But yeah, so he explains, you know, he's performing spells. He's got this little black book of secrets. A diary, perhaps? And so Betty charges him with stealing the book. She doesn't even have to ask. He just knows that we that's what she's about to ask. And she's like, yeah, yeah, you guessed right. Yeah, I'll do it. Fine. The striking crew uh, is on their way to pay, play a game of basketball. Yes. When Archie's like, hey, I'm going to go talk to Percival and tell him that we're going to negotiate. And they're like, but no, we heard you and we're not supposed to negotiate. And we don't want that. The only strike in history without a list of demands. What do they want? Like, follow any strike the way all of them go, especially now that it's much less likely, you know, they're responding with, say, the National Guard. But... The, the strike committee is at the table waiting, and it's management who is stonewalling. What kind of strike is it where you don't even have demands to negotiate over for weeks? For weeks. Weeks. 
So Archie decides to go play basketball with them instead. Yes. And Percival decides to do another one of the plagues. It is time for the Plague of Boils. So what he does is he scoops up a bunch of, like, little toy soldiers, like little painted guys. From... They're like little baseball players or something. They, they remind me of, like, moving pieces from an, an antique, like, Napoleonic tabletop war game. Yeah. Some scale model soldier like that. Yeah, but I think they're basket or uh, baseball players. That's <laughs> what I saw. And because they're boils, he dumps them in boiling water. Not like acid or like... Or itching powder. Itching powder. Like, like he, he burns them. So all of these strikers on the b-ball court, they do come down with like skin lesions. And it's like really gross, really cool special effects makeup. But like... Boils is not boils. They're they're not the no but no. <laughs> that that's like they should have like second degree burn, not like witchy boils. <laughs> Just all pussy. Um, I didn't know you could show pussy on television. So Archie bursts into Percival's place, and you know he's like, "What the hell are you playing at?" And you know, take away the boils. Percival's like, "No." I'm not going to do that. But if you go to work and work a certain amount, mm-hmm. the boils will slowly go away. So what you're saying is that the American system allows uh, uh, employers to hold healthcare hostage in order to keep their workers in line? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. So Archie agrees to this. Meanwhile, uh, Jughead uh, is like half asleep, half waking up. And, and this time, it's Abigail, or like Rivervale Cheryl, who we later learn is Abigail. Yeah. 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 She comes in and she's like, sweet Forsyth, what ails you? So yeah, it's Abigail. And she has the big nasty ceremonial knife from the first episode, what she killed an Archie with. She's like, maybe I can release you, and stabs the fuck out of him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he wakes and he looks over at the table, and more of his writing is gone, Pres- but the knife is there. Presumably his folk horror story about the golden boy in town being betrayed by all of his friends, by a master manipulator witch in the woods. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I like that first episode. Yeah. 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 And the third and the fifth. <laughs> Kevin is snooping around the oddity shop, trying to find... It's not really snooping. It's more like making a lot of noise and slamming a lot of things open and closed. He's actively and quite unsubtly rummaging through doors and shelves. Yes. And Percival appears and is like, hey, what you looking for? Uh, And Kevin plays off some story. With the wedding going on, he's feeling lonely and unwanted. And Percival's like, oh, Kevin, you and your self-esteem... Gives him a little pat and a little, little like, mm, it's okay. Help me inventory my, my new shipment of goods and, and you'll feel right as rain. Because C- he's got some stuff to unload and, and we'll get a, a an inventory later. Betty is reading her Bibles One and of them. other texts. And uh, she is to the section where it has... Uh, the Harlot of Babylon. Yeah. Because you can't say whore on Riverdale, I guess. Harlot's okay, though. Harlot's okay. We say harlot a lot, and there is no one on this show I would describe as a harlot. 
Like, okay, frankly, there's no one in the world I would describe as a harlot. It's a weird old-timey term, and it's really sex-negative, and I'm not into that. But if you said someone on this show is a harlot, please identify the harlot. There's no one. Everyone's, like, really monogamous <laughs> and really committed. There's very little casual sex. There's very little, like, uh, uh, betrayal or, or anything like that in this show. Like Reggie? Like, okay. Like old Reggie? Reggie? Reggie is the harlot of Riverdale. Like, Reggie in high school. And not nearly as much as he'd like to be, frankly. No, he would like so much more. <laughs> like, is, is this really because of that time she kissed Archie while still dating Jughead? Is this what it's all about? I don't know. I don't know. So she's reading about the harlot of Babylon, and she has this flashback to TBK explaining it just mentioning it and you know the you know riding on the red beast and blah 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 is is that why because she rides archie sometimes i don't know and uh she's like whoa whoa flashback and i'm like whoa since when was tbk into the book of revelation that didn't seem to be his deal yeah we can retcon anything into that guy's mouth so meanwhile uh the scarlet beast (laughs) aka archie (laughs) is fucking shirtless But before we leave this scene, the very last thing of the scene is the camera just like pulling away, getting a wider and wider shot and showing all of the books arrayed on Betty's desk, right? Mm -hmm. Except one of them is not a book. One of them is a whole ass Torah scroll. (laughs) She said religious documents. So, so you're telling me that Betty isn't that familiar with Exodus, but she can read Hebrew. Yes. She took a course in college. (laughs) Like, this whole episode has got me thinking, like, one of the least realistic things about Riverdale as a town, at least up until recent seasons, is how small a presence religion and faith and, like, the church community has. They've had a lot of cults, though. Yeah, they've had a lot of uh, alternative faiths, we might say, but, like, the only churchy thing we've had is Veronica's, like, confirmation in the second season, I think it was. Oh, yeah, that was a thing, wasn't it? That was a thing, and it was forever ago. But even what we've had home funerals, never a church funeral. Have we? They've had, like, funeral home funerals. Yeah, but never of. There's no priest, there's no pastor, there's no faith leader except for cult leaders. Honestly, it's refreshing. <laughs> But it's something that, like, rings false to the small American town. Oh, yeah. Because, like, those people love nothing more to judge you on what church you know. There should be a faction of, like, 40s to 70s ladies doing bake sales and wondering why there are no kids in their their dying, sad church. Quite frankly, it's impressive that uh, this agent was able to find a Torah in this small town as well. Because, let's be honest, small town America. That does remind me of the first time we had a Christmas episode. And I was wondering in advance, you know, every show's Christmas episode, you find out which character has been Jewish all along. It never happened in Riverdale. Oh. I but like, I believe I, be- I put my money on Kevin at the time. <laughs> I would have put it on a... Uh... Uh, Dilton. Mm, mm, could be, could be. But they killed him. But they killed him. Because it's also weird for a show to do, like, a Christmas episode and then, like, never do it again. 
Because usually when they do it, like, oh, this is like a yearly tradition. We have our holiday episode. Our Christmaca. Yes. Yeah. Love the Christmaca. That's actually like the next episode I have in my rewatch of the OC. It's Christmaca. <laughs> but but yes, Archie. Archie is the Scarlet Beast. We're hopping all over the Bible because now we've got Archie Christ. Oh my fucking god! Like Jughead's narration is full of gospel illusion, and the way he is hoisting these giant beams of wood over his shoulder is crucifix esque. Very clearly. And he got no shirt on and he's sweaty. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, this is also hot Archie. It's been a while since they tried to give us such a hot Archie. He's dirty, he's sweaty, he's ripped, and the lighting is just right. The we lighting got super is just hot right. Archie. The dirt is like in the crevices of his abs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's been a long time since they went this hard on it. <laughs> uh, but as this... I wrote, fuck. <laughs> But then, darkness comes over Riverdale in the middle of the day, and there's a surprise eclipse! Yes, this is the Plague of Darkness, uh, which is shown very simply. This, the least special special effect that just really works... They just turn the lights off. The, they, they just pull something over the overhead lighting rig so that you can see the, the shadow outpacing the camera moving across the ground as it's pointed down at it. And it works! It works! And Archie looks up directly at this darkness approaching, which we immediately learn was a solar eclipse. So Archie, Archie is blind. He broke the one rule everyone knows about an eclipse. Immediately. Archie definitely stares at the sun. <laughs> Explains a lot of things. His corneas are invulnerable. He'll be okay. But it's just old habit. <laughs> Betty and Kevin are together, and Kevin's like, well, this makes sense, because Percival is getting ready for war. He just had this huge delivery of, like, all these historical weapons, like crossbows from the Crusades, Mm -hmm. and, like, the stockade from Babylon, and, like... Other shit that I didn't write down, but it was really funny. Yeah, he names, like, three different, like, Middle Ages wars and the different weapons uh, that Percival has for them, but also Civil War rifles. (laughs) Hundreds, hundreds of years out of place from the others. I mean, we do know, though, that he was, like, Grandpa Pickens or whatever was definitely, like... He was definitely Confederate. Yeah, Colonel Pickens was a Civil War, was a veteran of the Civil War, I believe. And you know he wasn't on the right side. (laughs) Well, I mean, judging from the rest of his behavior in that episode, yeah, yeah. There's one theme in his life, and it's racism. Yeah. But Betty twigs up at the idea of this stockade. Huh, huh. And she brings that to the next meeting of super people. And the harlot of Babylon. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Betty also, like goes directly to Percival and is like, hey, I know you want to put the harlot of Babylon like in that. (laughs) And that's me, right? Like you got this impression of me that that's me. And like, I had this vision that that was me. So like, put me in it. Like, what you going to do? And Percival's like, ah, Kevin Keller betrayed me. Great. (laughs) He's also like, I don't want you. Well, I do, but like, not just you. It's not just you. And uh, so this is when Betty goes back to everyone and she's like, okay, he wants baby Anthony. He wants baby Anthony and also me, but he mostly wants the baby Anthony. And Tony's like, does he want 
the baby for cult-like things? Like, yeah, probably. <laughs> what other things are there? Uh, and, you know, there'll be more plagues unless we do this. Betty mentions the, the stockade. Heather's and, like, oh. Oh, ooh. Heather has an idea. She calls for her very special book that they stole from him and uh, flips to a page and asks, oh, does the stockade look like this? And the answer is yes, because all stockades look the same. They look the same. It, it's just a thing. It's just the way they look. Oh, does his potato masher look like this? Yes, they all look the same. What was it? The stockade of Ligarius or something? Ligarius? Yes, the stockade of Ligarius. Uh, and so, like, this is good news uh, because it uh, puts those in it to be powerless. It's wood. It's made of wood. Magic man wood. <laughs> <laughs> Magic man wood. Yeah. Do you think Do you think the stockade of Ligarius is named after the... Bloodborne character, Martyr Ligarius? Probably not. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no. But they're, they're very happy about this because they're like, oh man, if we could get Percival in it, he wouldn't have powers anymore. So like, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because this wood is so good and inescapable. Uh, and so everyone's like, yeah, I like, let's do this. And Kevin's like, I'm in. But like, how... How can we trap him into it, like, without him, like, seeing us coming? And, and Cheryl basically just gives a big wink directly to the camera. <laughs> yes. Uh, so meanwhile, Jughead is yelling at the sex hole. Yeah, yeah, he's in the the living area, but all of his visitations have been coming out of the, the darkened tunnel toward the, the ladder. Yeah. I guess the light bulb burned out down there, because it's just been it. inky, creepy blackness. You know, I hope Tabitha hasn't been, like, stubbing her toe or anything during her visits. Yeah. So he just shouts at the haunted darkness. Like, you know, what do you want? Why are you stealing from me? Uh, and as he's yelling all this, a glass bottle rolls across the floor and hits his foot. And there is a message in the bottle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he gets the briefest little flash sideways to uh, Rivervale Jughead in the ghost episode. With his little ships with, with in the With his little ships in the bottles. And being and the, so proud. The very happy face he made. Yeah. <laughs> but this is a message in the bottle, and he unrolls it, and the message says, keep writing. Oh. Oh. Meanwhile, uh, Betty goes to the oddity shop, mm-hmm, carrying mm-hmm. a giant bundle of baby. As seen in the previous episode. They must think this baby is an ice cube because mm-hmm. we must swaddle it in 12 <laughs> layers. And so she comes in with the baby and Percival's like, hand it over. I would like to see the baby. This is the baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Werner Herzog said, this is the baby. baby. <laughs> like to see the baby. This is the baby. <laughs> and so she hands it over. And it's a doll. Yes. I bet it's the same doll they use every time they film someone holding the baby. The baby. The baby. That's, I don't know, super glued or zip tied to these many, many blankets. It's like, it's like a full, like a king size blanket <laughs> that they've just wrapped around this baby. But, of course, being handed a doll, uh, uh, the jig is up pretty quick, and Percival dismisses Betty and her dime store... 
It was dime store trickery. Dime store trickery. And she's alone. She's like, I'm not alone. And then everyone appears with guns. Because they were doing the invisibility spell. They all stop holding their breath. And there they are with their guns. And Kevin arrests him as a sheriff's deputy. And Cheryl blows sleepy dust in his face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Meanwhile... This uh, lifts the plague of darkness. And, and you know, the... The eclipse ends and and light returns and Archie is still staring directly at the sun? Well, no, he is carrying another big, like, piece of lumber while shirtless and sweaty. And he looks up as the sun comes back directly at it. He makes the same mistake a second time. Yes, of course. Of course he does. And so Percival is put into the stockade, which is being kept in the vault of Veronica's casino. Yes, Veronica is his jailer, and she is talking directly to him about how it's the securest place in all of the town, and he better get comfortable, because that's just where we're going to keep you. It's all done. You're done. Get out of here. We got a wedding, mm-hmm. so, like, you're just going to hang out by yourself, unguarded. TTFN. <laughs> anyone making sure this actually works. So, so, yeah, she closes the door behind her and goes back up to her other job, and there's a snake cake! There is the best fucking snake cake. Oh my gosh, they got a snake cake. Uh, this wedding is being held in the White Worm, of course. They got these snakes, like, doing a little cuddle heart on mm-hmm, the top mm-hmm. of the cake. It's great. Uh, and Kevin is apparently part of the band. Oh, we, we missed it. So, like, Percival's in the, the stockade, right? Yes. So before this and before the snake cake, uh, Fangs and Tony invite Kevin to the wedding. Yes. And he is so flippin' happy about it. Yes. Um, and... And it turns out there is an ulterior motive to that. <laughs> they want him to be in the band. <laughs> I guess. What? I, I wish the scene kept going so we could get to that part. Like, oh, yeah, of course. We're so glad you're going to be able to make it. Uh, uh, it's going to be great to have you there. Of course you can have a, a moose as a plus one. He was invited earlier anyway. Also, we need you to say. <laughs> and we'll get to that in a little bit. Because Ver- first... Veronica was going to perform a song, but we fired her because that was bullshit she pulled. Let me tell you all about it. We have to have Cheryl officiate the wedding. In her ceremonial red serpent jacket. She still has it from high school. Yes, it's great. Um, and so they have a very sweet ceremony. Fang says his vows, and, like, Tony says her, and they're very sweet. They are sweet, but it's the sort of... I don't like when vows aren't vows. I don't like when... when it's just random, and you're like, okay, like, where's the rest of it? Like, they're very nice romantic things to say, but they are not promises. They're not pledges. They're not vows. That bugs me. It's the type of, like, thing that would start real vows in someone's wedding some little story or some little moment and then you like expect them to go into like more that's what i did but for time they can't on tv so we just skip it i remember mine and mine had vows in them (laughs) so yeah they skip that they get married they smooch you know but meanwhile down in the depths Percival is humming Ride of the Valkyries to himself to summon his grasshopper friends because when he was arrested, he he seemed to be doing prep work for the Plague of Locusts. So he just has some locusts laying around. And and they can come when he calls them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And he is like, oh, good, you found me. Where are the others? (laughs) 
And as the the wedding continues on, uh, I will say this is the first time Tony has ever referred to baby Anthony as just Anthony. He's growing up. He's such a big doll these days. Uh, And Cheryl declares them husband and wife under the watchful eye of Hecate. (laughs) Do you think Fangs and Tony approved that? Because it seems like everybody is doing their wedding for themselves. Like, this is almost as bad, I mean, maybe worse, because it's the actual ceremony, than what Veronica did. No, I think this is fine. She has forced them into paganism. Did you think they were a part of anything else, though? Sure, sure, I can understand it, and it's certainly not as long and awkward as Veronica's thing, but I... I just have to hope they talk this out, the three of them in advance. Hey, hey, if you are asking someone to officiate your wedding... Because they are an, a, an adherent of the unholy rites... You have to be aware of how they are registered to officiate. Sure, sure. Well, that's where she's certified, so we'll go with it. Again, there is no other religious authority in this town. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what What are you going to do? I, I mean, they could have asked Heather, but they don't really know her. Yeah. Uh, so now it's time for Kevin to lead the band in song. He sings the the end song from The Wedding Singer, the musical. Yeah. So it's at least appropriate to the occasion. Yeah. He's singing a song about singing a song at a wedding at a wedding. And everyone seems to have a great time, especially Britta and her date. Britta and her date are doing the happiest, goofiest dances. Everybody is, is doing big time dance time. Britta and her date are you and me at weddings. They're adorable. Actually, I'm way goofier. I mean, yeah, we're way goofier. They're a lot more choreographed where we just, like, improvise. But they're so happy together. But but the, like, party people. Keep the party going. Keep the mood. Yes. We are available for hire. Just for travel expenses and catering. And you know what? Catering's generally included in all weddings. And, like, a dog sitter. Yeah. But, like... We'll come groove on your dance floor for you. The entire time. Entire, we will that, not stop. That's what makes it an offer worth making. I want this to be clear. Just The only time we will leave is to pee. And one time puke. But <laughs> I was having, I was really overdoing it that day. And to like get water. We won't even like drink wine once we start dancing. We'll like... I, I learned my lesson. Yes. <laughs> They never stopped giving us wine at that wedding. <laughs> My wine glass never got less than half full. It was insane. I don't know how we, I was not drunk or more drunk. I was definitely a little drunk. But meanwhile, my hypothesis is proven correct. Stockade is just wood. It's just wood. And so Percival is telling the locust to make quick work of the wormwood and to eat him out of it. It's just wood. That's it. That's They're just going to eat really fast. So while the party is in I'm full like, swing, I'm sorry. If you're if your locusts are that smart, why can't they just flip the lock? <laughs> well, because that's what a plague of locusts does. Well, it, or, it eats the crops, but in this case, the crop is you know a stockade. Or they could just eat around the lock, oh, and so the lock falls off, uh-huh, and then he can just uh-huh. push it open. They don't have to eat the whole thing. These aren't smart locusts. But this is all happening in parallel, of course, with uh, everyone celebrating the brand new new nuptials. Everyone's having a great time as Percival strides into a, an empty Thornhill 
into Nana Rose's room and he unplugs her oxygen tank and suffocates her because this is the ceremony for the plague of the death of the firstborn. He kills the oldest firstborn person in Riverdale by hand and then the magic does the rest. And kills all the other firstborns. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. it starts... It starts with this red mist emerging from Nana's mouth. Yeah. Like, her her very last breath. And it takes a little while to travel through the town. So, like, Veronica and Tabitha have time for a conversation where Veronica's like, Tabitha, you've seen the future. Tell me, what's Endgame? Is it Archie and Betty or Archie and me? You're 27 years old. Stop saying that word. Stop it. Stop it now. Stop it. And so Tabitha for some stupid-ass reason, is, like, gonna tell her. But then they are interrupted by Archie collapsing, Mm -hmm. and then Fangs and Tony collapsing. And then a whole lot of nameless people collapse. And then we go to Jughead. And Jughead wakes up to a noise, and he sees someone in the sex hole, and he shines his flashlight on them, and he's, like, telling them, like, turn around, like, why are you taking my stories? Who are you? And now it is time for hot jug-on-jug action. Because it is the other Jughead. It's one cest up in here. There are two Jugheads. It's two heads. Two heads are better than Jug. And as the other Jughead turns around to stare down the Jughead, the Jughead collapses as well. And the other Jughead watches. So now the camera comes up on what has to be one of the strangest scenes all of the survivors of the curse at the, the wedding reception are just sitting on the bar stools, looking down at all the corpses of their friends and family. And so this includes Betty. Who has older siblings. Veronica. Who has Hermosa. Heather, who apparently does as well. Cheryl. JJ is like two minutes older. Kevin, who has no siblings unless we count Josie, and Josie is older than her. Yeah, the curse of the firstborn counts even short-term step-siblings. So is Josie... It's very particular. Did Josie die? Josie's dead. I hate to break it to you, but Josie's dead. So this is how Sweet gets Sweet Pea back? This is how Sweet Pea comes back. He comes back. He busts down the door and says, Guys, guys, Josie died. And they're like, yeah, what else is new? Everyone's fucking dead. And and Kevin is holding baby Anthony as the last living parent of this child. And then Tabitha realizes... Charles is dead now. Charles was just rescued from a terminal case of being evil, and now he's dead. Yeah. But Tabitha realizes, oh shit, Jughead, Mm -hmm. and rushes off to the sex hole. And everyone else is like, wait a minute, why is this baby alive? Because the baby's the firstborn. Like, what? And so they reason, there must be something real special about this baby. Whatever uh, Percival wants this baby for, it must relate to him being immune to supernatural curses from the Bible. Heather's like, you know, I believe I know someone who can help us. A necromancer. A teenage one, you might say. (laughs) And her name is... Sabrina. Da 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 da, the end. Teasing the episode we thought we were getting, what, 12 episodes ago? Yeah. Something like that? It better be good. So, Darlin, what did you think of this episode? This episode sure is a Riverdale episode in in the way that it is just scattershot. It's doing a whole lot of things and just herding cats to try to get them to follow some central thing that it's not 
built around, but they they're just really trying to force these these ends together. There's so much. It feels like a jigsaw puzzle built uh, by someone who really believes in eh, close enough, you know? Yeah, yeah. There are so many things that were just, I mean, all the Veronica stuff was just dumb. But there are so many things that was just like, why are you doing that? <laughs> like, Betty, why did you rush, rush to Percival and like, I'm a harlot, put me in your thing. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Punish me, Percy. What, what was that? Yeah. <laughs> just all these things are like, I don't, are any of you thinking? Like, Jughead, why the fuck did you eat that burger? <laughs> it's tasty. Tabitha like brings you food every day. It's a tasty bogo. Don't eat the mystery meat that appears in the sex hole. He learns his lesson. He has very nasty tummy troubles. It's like, what the fuck? I do like the confirmation that there is a toilet in the sex hole. I don't know if we've ever seen it used. Okay, you know what I mean by see it used. <laughs> I mean, we saw it used this time. Exactly. Is that a new addition to the set dressing or did we just never focus on it? I mean, I feel like, Am like I this, forgetting this was maybe? supposed to be like a nuclear bunker. Exactly. So like yeah, it makes yeah. sense that there would be a toilet. Mm -hmm. But that does mean that they had to like build plumbing in the middle of the woods. Yeah, Dylan Doily is, is really impressive. good at that stuff. Yeah. Okay, alright. Here's what happens after they cut that scene. He tries to flush his puke. It doesn't work. It all backs up. <laughs> And he has to clear the clog from, like, eight years of people trying to flush condoms when you don't do that. You're not supposed to do that. It's bad for the pipes. It's bad for the environment. People flushing paper towels and shit. <laughs> Mm -mm -mm. Like, this is a septic tank. We are not on city plumbing. You cannot do that, especially. Yeah, so his puke is all over, like, his knees and his shoes now. <laughs> He's just drowning in, like, the toilet overflowing in the sex hole. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The smell has not just, changed. Condoms from, like, ten years ago are just floating. <laughs> he I've... needs so many tetanus shots. I love the sex hole so much. <laughs> The sex hole is my favorite character in Riverdale. The sex hole brings so much creative imagination to me. <laughs> it just, like, revitalizes my soul anytime they use God. it. Pops is gone. Pops was the number one set. Yeah. I feel like the sex hole is in the running for number one set with the, the two houses, right? I think the two houses and the sex hole. They can try to push El Royale as much as they want. I they know. can they can make it be eight different things. Remember when it was an animal shelter for a while? <laughs> but I will never accept the El Royale the way I accept the sex hole. Sex hole's just so good. So many things have happened there. It's been a while since there were sex. I mean, well, yeah, they're all like homeowners now, so they don't need to sneak away. I mean, is it weird though, like for Betty and Archie to, like, do it in Archie's house when his bedroom is right across from Betty's room and her... Like, Alice could just be standing there at any time. Is that still Charles's room since he moved back in? When it was his hospice bed for a little bit? Still weird. If it is, I think they're safe because I would trust Charles much more than I trust Alice. But, like, those windows are pretty close and if, like, you get kind of loud, it definitely transfers sound. He can totally hear them banging. He's a married man. What does he care? I mean, in every way but legally. He, I was going to say, like, it wasn't legal. They never actually got married. They should have kidnapped Cheryl that night. Yeah, yeah. Like, make sure you close your blind. He seems like he sleeps with blackout curtains. On the whole, I enjoyed this episode because, like, 
I think the plagues thing really is a strong spine. They just didn't build things on the spine. <laughs> they set things next to the spine and tried to just mush them. I guess it's close enough. It's a shoulder blade. Like, that's basically it. <laughs> I just wish Veronica had another pass or two. You know, another draft to, like, look at what is really bothering Veronica. How do we highlight it? And is there any other song on God's green earth we can squeeze in here? I'm so upset. I'm so upset. Like, it would have been so much better if she sang some, like, romantic song about being together that maybe involved, like, holding hands or something. And she's like, man, I can't, like, do that. Right. Yeah. Because I'm going to kill someone. Or, Or what if she sang an appropriate song inappropriately? What if she was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this nice thing. It'll be great. But in the moment, she can't do it. It just comes out really sarcastic and bitter. But yeah, her her whole thing was just a mess. Yeah, yeah. Anyhow, our next episode, once again, is not next week. No. I mean, it makes perfect sense. Uh, Independence Day, after all. So we can all be sad. The great consolation prize of America, at least we don't have a parasite in chief and her stupid idiot hat. But yes, coming in two weeks' time, airing July 10th, will be chapter 114, The Witches of Riverdale. Of course, named for the Witches of Eastwick, but you know, find her place. <laughs> there you go, the, the classic Cher and Jack Nicholson vehicle directed by George Miller. Yes. The 80s were a great time. You could just put people together like that. And so, what we know is there will be Sabrina! And lots of Sabrina. Not just a weird little tease, she just happened to be in Vancouver for the day, Sabrina. No. No. Full episode of Kiernan Goddang Shipka. And she is going to resurrect some bodies, and she is going to teach them how to be a coven. Because she needs extra witchy help. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, for a mass resurrection of this size, dozens dead... Like, the the news coverage is about Archie and Jughead, but, like, what about Nana? What about all of these other people? (laughs) The whole whole town, at least. The plot seems to just be witch boot camp? They're doing a lot of team-building exercises? Yes. They gotta wear, like, the appropriate outfit, too. Like, Betty is rocking a little black dress with a little white Peter Pan collar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very weird sisters. It's a it's a classic Sabrina look, honestly, but also combined with a classic, like, high school years Betty look. Yes. Yeah. Just in black. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Curdle Jr. is there? He was? Yeah, I think you can see him in the background of the scene where Sabrina visits the morgue oh, to check out sense. the bodies. That makes sense. I prefer I'm, to think that he's part of the coven. I'm just surprised that he is unaffected. You would expect a junior to be the firstborn. Perhaps he has an older sister? Yeah, that could be it. Also, they could just not like their first son that much. <laughs> first one came out weird. I don't like him. You're Fred. The next son, that's junior. You don't get to be junior. <laughs> You're not creepy enough. You're not a junior. Yeah, you... get, get back in there. You're not done. <laughs> Dr. Curdle Jr.'s older brother is a model oh. for swimsuit magazines. <laughs> yeah. Where's the bags under your eyes? You're no son of mine. His name is Chad. Chad Curdle. <laughs> I mean, he changed it for, for his professional work. Yeah. Hurdle. <laughs> Chad Hurdle. Because he's an athlete. Ah, he does track and field. Yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah, that is what is coming at you, chapter 114. We will be back to talk about it when it comes. And, little tease, the big man Roberto is back in the writer's chair for this one. Oh. So, expect good things. Uh, so, you should leave us a rating and review. Yes, you should. You should tell a friend. Yes, you should. You should follow us on Twitter at sex underscore Archie. Eh. If you want. (laughs) Yes, you should. And so with that, I'm Elena. I'm Grant, and from us here at Sex Archie... Some kind of magic man. Really put some stank on that one. Magic man. (laughs)